0: Yeah, stay standing, please. Let's let's read our text this morning. Praise be to God. I'm Pastor Kevin. The title of the message uh, this morning is Yearn for Him. Yearn for Him. But can you all say amen to the worship team? Amen. That's so good. I would sing all day. I love it. Where you all going? I'm just getting started. I, this is starting to be a pattern here. So Yearn for Him is the the title of the message, and it's in Hosea. If you want to turn with me to Hosea in your Bibles, Hosea 6. Our focus is on verses 4 through 11, but I want to read from verse 1 to 6 to get us in context. And the words are up there and a little bit wavy, but I think you can see them a little bit. Hopefully you're seeing those songs up there. But let's read Hosea 6, 1 through 6, and our focus is 4 through 6. And then we'll pray. Let's... Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us, but He will heal us. He has wounded us, but He will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before Him. So let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and He will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. What shall I do with you O Ephraim what shall I do with you O Judah for your loyalty is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early therefore I have hewn them in pieces by the prophets I have slain them by the words of my mouth and the judgments are on you are the judgments on you are like the light that goes forth for I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Oh, Father God in heaven, we don't come to the table lightly to feed on Your grace. We come humbly before You through the blood of Your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our our High Priest who's made this way, who's opened up the veil through His torn flesh. We come through You walking into death that we might have life from You, God. You're sovereign. You chose us. You redeemed us. You, You brought us out of darkness and put us into Your marvelous light. And here we are, Father, before You. Coming to your throne room to find mercy and grace to help us, Lord, in our time of need. So feed us, God. Feed us your grace, your mercies, your, your strength, your joy. God, fill us up with your Spirit and lead us and guide us into all truth. Open the eyes of our hearts that we might see and behold beautiful, glorious truths about you that change us from this moment on and forever to eternity. God, do a work in us, God. Don't let us leave this place the same. Mend us, break us, mold us, make us how you want us, God, to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, bless us now. Bless us indeed. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. As I, as I prayed and reflected on, on what to preach this Sunday, Morning. The Lord opened up my heart to stay right here in Hosea. Stay right here in Hosea, where I've been talking to you and talking to your people and your sheep that I've appointed you over, and that's what God has done here. To stay here, you have sheep that I want to speak to that I have appointed you over. And with other elders. And so God said, stay right here. So with that, some of you may have already heard this message. Some of these things. So you can sleep for about 20 minutes. And then I'll wake you up when something's different. Or this time you can stay awake. Whichever it is. But I'm in good company. I'm in good company. Because Paul says, remind them. Remind them of these things. I mean, imagine when they got up in front of the church and just read the letter that Paul wrote over and over and over. Let it not become rote for us. And so it's it's fitting this message, yearn for him, that I preach this and it not be wrote; that it not be without yearning for God, passionate with zeal. So it's a good test for me. May God help me and strengthen me in this. So it's a good test for me as well. But I hope for you who have heard this that it would be Let's say like your favorite chapter in a good book. You just can't help reading it over and over again and again. Let it be that for you, a good chapter for you. But those of you who haven't heard this, let me give a quick history of Hosea where we are. Just in case you didn't know, Hosea was a prophet. And he's in the Old Testament. Raise your hand if you knew that. Amen. You're smarter than half of my children. No, you're good. That's good. Okay, Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom. Of Israel. This was before, during, and after they were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. So his time was from about, this goes backwards now, kids, 755 BC when King Jeroboam II was reigning over Israel, all the way to 714 BC before Christ when uh, Hezekiah was the king of Judah. So you can see the time frame, 755 to 714. Hosea. Hosea's prophecy was, it differed in the other prophets in that he had to physically live out this prophecy before Israel. So his prophecy from God was against Israel and their spiritual harlotry. God says, you're my bride, be faithful to me. And just as we are marrying as a church, well, this is our marriage, we talk about this is two becoming one, and we're talking about having a reception here, and it was, this is our first day of being together, and it's good, and we're joyful and excited. And then, as Pastor Will says, as the years go on, are you going to become that old man that the wife has? Aren't you going to give me a kiss before we go to bed, if I have to? Is it going? Is that going to be the case? Or are we going to have that zeal, that passion, that joy throughout the years? That's the hope of this message to move our hearts. But anyways. So Hosea had to have a physical picture of the spiritual harlotry. And so God tells him, Hosea, go marry a woman of harlotry, Gomer. She's a woman of harlotry because the land has committed flagrant harlotry against me. God says, then have children of harlotry, he says. Have Jezreel, for I will punish and, and shed bloodshed for what Jehu did on you. And then you'll have another, uh, a, I think it's a daughter next. And it's, the name is Loruhamah. And it's, um, I will not have compassion on those people anymore. Then he has another son. And you don't know, you know that Jezreel is from oh, Hosea. But the other kids, you don't know where they come from. Who the daddy is. So they name him Loruhamah. Not going to have compassion. Then you have lo Ami. Which means, not my people. The reason why I bring that up is because this is Jose, This is God's prophecy to Hosea. It's a physical picture. And God does this with the names. He flips them on their head. He turns Jezreel into the name of, I'm going to reward you when you come back. It's going to be a blessed time. Jezreel turns into a, a good thing. And then, uh, Lo-Ruhamah comes in. I will have compassion on you. And Lo-Ami becomes... You are my people. You who were not my people are now my people. And so I just wanted to give you that little bit of history. But the main thing I want you to know is this prophet, Hosea to Israel, this was God saying, My love will not let you go. He always spoke of, so Hosea's family picture is to be this picture of spiritual holiday. There's sin. There's punishment and then return. It's always the case. There's sin, punishment, and return. And this seems to be the pattern throughout Hosea. Israel sins. God brings punishment. He even withdraws from them. And Israel returns to the Lord. This is God's word. So Hosea is Israel's prophet, yes. But Hosea is our prophet. Can you say amen? He's our prophet. And there is much for us to learn, especially in our times. So let us persevere through the scripture together and find hope. Hosea 6 4 through 6. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your loyalty, and you probably read from the ESV, it says, Your steadfast love is like, the, like a morning cloud, like the dew which goes away early. Therefore, I've hewn you in pieces by the prophets. I've slain them by the words of my mouth, and the judgments on you are like the light that goes forth. I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. It seemed that Israel had turned back to the Lord from out of their afflictions to seek His face saying, come, let us return. Let us return to the Lord. He's torn us, but He will heal us. He's wounded us, but He will bandage us. He will revive us. He'll raise us up. Come, let us know the Lord. Let us blow the horn and press on to know the Lord. And indeed, they did. God's hand was on them, and they felt it, and they turned back to the Lord. But according to Hosea 6, 4, God says their loyalty is a morning cloud like a dew which goes away early. And God is saying their they're kesed. This word for, for steadfast love in your ESV or loyalty is kesed. It's a Hebrew word kesed. It means devotion. It means loving kindness. It means goodness, faithfulness. It's compassion. So God's saying their devotion is like the mist of your breath on a cold morning, a vapor that just vanishes. You know what I'm saying? When you go out on a cold morning, you <sighs> and just vanishes. That's what God's saying there. Loyalty is like that. It just vanishes like dew on the grass. When the sun comes up, it just goes away. Let me say this right off the bat. Where do you think this cassid comes from? Where do you think this loyalty, this devotion, this loving kindness, this faithfulness, this goodness comes from? Where does it come from? It comes from the heart. It comes from the inner man. It comes from within the soul of a man. It comes from your heart. God says Israel's heart is like vanishing steam and like fog. It's just vanished away. It's gone why why was their heart just gone why was their loyalty gone why was their steadfast love just gone was it real or were they just raised in church and taught what to do and what to say and what not to do and what to touch what not to touch and yes sir what was the deal right here why did it go away was it authentic i'm going to tell you most scholars most biblical people will say oh yeah it wasn't real and i say oh why was it not real and you know why they say it's not real? It was just an emotional response to God's goodness. That's what they'll say. It's just an emotional response. That's why it wasn't real. That's why it didn't remain. Let, let me tell you. People say, I'm too emotional. Are you seeing that at all? Have any of you said it in your head? That guy's emotional. Yeah, amen. Um, so you're too emotional. I'm going to tell you, for God, I'm not emotional enough. I don't burn with zeal enough. For him, my steadfast love for God is not enough, and never, never will be on this side of glory. But I want it. Do you want it? Well, let's get to it. It says, it, 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 it's just an emotional response, and that's why it departs easily, like a morning cloud or a dew on the ground. And maybe, maybe that's right. You know, because feelings and emotions, they, they come and go. They're that way, aren't they? One time you're happy, the next day you're sad, right? You can't even make yourself happy. Come on, get happy. Be sad. You, is, you can't even do that. They just come and go. They're, they're finicky. They're not steadfast and immovable. They, they cannot be the foundation. But here's the dilemma. Here's the problem. Without feelings, without emotions, we're not truly serving the Lord. Without affections, without spiritual affections, we're not truly worshiping the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How would you like it if they got up there and sang, Come thou fount of every... I want passion and zeal. Where is that? Amen? They have it. And it's good that we would not be worshiping the Lord if we're without affections up here. And so look at Israel's turning. Israel's turning back to the Lord again for the hundredth time. It's so short-lived at this point. But their response to God has to be more than just emotion. It has to be more than just feelings. Look at Hosea 6.6 6 again with me. Hosea 6.6. 6. This is God talking. I delight in loyalty. I delight in steadfast love rather than sacrifice. I delight in knowledge of me rather than burnt offerings. What's gone? Their loyalty is gone like the vanishing of the dew on the grass on a good morning at Pop Warner football. Right? You walk, dew, and it's gone. A little steam coming up, and it's gone but their committed, heady, religious, traditional thinking and reasoning, acting and format duties toward God are still very much in effect. Did you get that? Their loyalty is gone, but their heady, religious, traditional thinking, reasoning and acting and format duties toward God, they're still going on. So I thought, James, James says it. Wouldn't they show them not to be forgetful hearers, but effectual doers? Yeah, they're doers. They're doers. But, th- but the hard question to ask, what are they doing the doing for? That's really profound. <coughs> what are you doing the doing for? Who are you doing the doing for? That's a hard question we need to ask ourselves. It's so hard to ask that. Why am I making these sacrifices? Why am I setting up for Sunday for service? Why am I singing? Why am I preaching? Why am I raising my hands and singing? Why am I working the soundboard in the bag? Why am I forgiving? Why am I showing mercy? Why am I doing these sacrifices and burnt offerings? Why am I fellowshipping with the saints? I'm committed. Say it with me. I'm committed. (laughs) committed is good right commitment is good um here's kind of my definition of commitment see if you agree with me um commitment is when you continue to do something long after the feeling is gone that you had when you said you would do it that sound like commitment you're committed to it. The feeling's gone that you had. Oh, I'd love to help you. It'll be fun. That feeling is gone like a wind, right? But you're committed. Can I say something? I'll probably speak for everybody. No thanks. No thanks. No thank you. And I'm, I'm just a man. I'm just, I'm just a human. I got my own struggles and problems. and. Hard days, good days. No thanks. Listen to what I mean by that. I don't think it's always no thanks, obviously. But let me give you an example. Say someone says they want to help you work on your car. They're committed. They're committed to helping you with maybe, say, changing the brakes on your car. They're going to come help. All right, let me get the women involved. They're going to help you with the bridal shower. They're committed. They're committed to helping you with... With that, how's that? Is that good? Helps? They're committed to helping you. Ch- just to go with me, with the changing of the brakes. But in the meantime, they're unkind. They're mean, nasty, with their words, unfriendly. They're complaining how the whole day, their whole day is going to be ruined. The whole day is ruined and how nothing you're trying to plan and prepare for this day is good enough for them. And you know what? They don't agree with anything you say, and they're not ashamed or fearful to tell you and let you know how miserable they really are because they have to let me do the quote unquote that I learned from Nicole help you, <laughs> they have to serve you. They're committed, they're committed, Americanly loyal. No thank you. Am I right? You're off the hook. You're off the hook. When you come and help me, I want your whole heart with me. Come with joy. Come with passion. Come with love. Be excited. You're going to help me do this. Bring it. Bring your soul with you. And I'm just a man. Imagine God. Imagine God. y'all don't pass around the offering plate, we do, so we want to watch people's hearts. <laughs> you pass around that offering plate, I'll write this check again,. Just throw it in. Here you go, Lord. And God's like, "Thank you. Is he? Is he? If you write that check and put it in the plate or the box, is that giving? Is it it is giving. You gave a check. Yay. All right, way to go. But is it worship? Is it worship? That's the question. Did you sing? Yeah, I sang. You should have heard me belt it out. But did you worship? Did you worship? I fellowship, I know everyone's name. I got to meet and greet and have this cool fellowship. But was it worship? Everything we do, whether in word or deed, we do all to the glory of God. Amen? Help me out up here. Imagine God who knows not just every spoken or cross-eyed look or snort. You know what I'm talking about when your mom tells you, hey, can you go clean your room, please? (laughs) What was that? You want me to slap that right out of you? That's what I used to hear. You're going to snort? God knows every thought and desire in the heart of this person, God knows it to its deepest, darkest intention. The question we should ask probably right here does God really care? Right? That's, that's Does God, I, I'm convinced, you can tell I'm convinced. I'm really convinced about this. And I don't want to be the one convincing you. I want the word of God. I want God convincing you. Does God really care what someone thinks and feels? See, God commands that we love. <laughs> you know that saying. God commands me to love. I don't like them, but I'll love them. God commands we love, we rejoice, that we serve, that we give time, money, whatever we that we pray, that we be holy, that we be merciful, that we be be kind, that we be forgiving, compassionate. God commands that you sing. Were any of you like this? I mean singing, this is different. God commands you sing, and you gotta say, God, move in me. God commands. We preach. God command commands. We be tenderhearted. You get it. You know a lot of the commandments. I'm not going to keep going there. But what I'm asking here: Does God really care how we feel toward Him when we do these things, things that He commands? Go back and read Hosea six six. So we stay in our context here. Hosea six six, it says, God says, I delight. In loyalty. I delight in kesed. kesed. I delight in goodness. I delight in faithfulness. I I delight in loving kindness. I I delight in your steadfast love. I delight in your devotion toward me rather than sacrifice. I delight in you knowing me rather than burnt offerings. Why is this said? God says it's because The people are still doing something they've committed to doing long after the feeling was gone. You see that? The feeling's gone, but they're still doing something. They're still making sacrifices to God. They're still offering up burnt offerings to the Lord. This is according to the law of Moses. This is commanded by God. So it's not their commitment that's like the morning cloud. It's not like their commitment that's the dew on the grass. What is it? What's like the dew on the grass in the text? Their heart. It's their heart for God. Their soul for God. Their emotion for God. Their devotion to God. Their love and kindness toward God. Their goodness toward God is gone. They are going through the motions they're going through the motions. Now raise your hand if you've ever done that. God forgive us. Amen. And He does. He's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. They were going through the motions. So their turning to the Lord it may not be real or authentic, but it would not be because of their commitment. It's Is gone because their passion, their zeal, their emotion, their steadfast love for God is gone. They weren't emotional enough. You ever hear that? You're so sensitive. (laughs) Thank you. Amen. (laughs) You're so sensitive. Uh, Yeah. Amen. You're so emotional. Amen. God gave me every one of them. I can worship him. Otherwise, I worship him in vain. I think it's very important, this verse is so important, especially because Jesus, our Savior, he quotes it twice. Matthew 9, 13, and, and Matthew 12, 7, he quotes it twice. Matthew 9, 13, Jesus says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, I desire compassion, not sacrifice. Again, in Matthew 12, 7, you have known, if you, if you had known this, what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Go there with me. Go there with me. Go to uh, Matthew 9. Let's read the the context this is in so we can go and learn what this means. I don't want to get this wrong. Matthew 9, 10 through 13. Matthew 9, 10 through 13. This may not be as simple. Let's look at it. Matthew nine ten through 13. Then it happened, Jesus was reclining at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners, or irreligious Jews, came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is your teacher eating? Why is Jesus eating with the tax collectors and the sinners? And Jesus heard this, he said... It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It may not be easy for you to see, but the Pharisees were holding to a form of godliness, a form of religion, but denying its power. They're not believing in the Word. Not devoted to the Word being the power to heal the sick. The power to save sinners. The power to forgive. The power to bring goodness, faithfulness. The power to bring kindness. The power to save. The power that makes us friends with God. They were not devoted to the Word, though they knew it. They were committed to with a heady intellect, but they were not devoted with a hearty devotion to God and His beauty and holiness. And we'll hear that again in Matthew 12. Let's go to Matthew 12, verse 1 through 8. Let's get the text there. Matthew 12, verse 1 through 8. I think I'm supposed to have you stand during the text, right? If you want to move around a little bit. Matthew 12, 1 through 8. At that time... Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Okay, here's Sunday. This is Sunday. We dedicate this day to the Lord. And some people do it so much, they call themselves Sabbatarians. Even if you cook a meal, they're like on you. And they tell in wives, cook on Saturday, nuke it on Sunday. Sounds like these people who Jesus was talking to. See, Jesus, was got, he got hungry. Him and his disciples, they begin to pick the heads of the grain. And they were eating it. And the Pharisees saw it. They said, whoa, man, we're Sabbatarians. Look, your disciples, they don't do what's lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he came hungry? He and his companions, how he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone. Or have you not read? There's more, more to read. Keep reading, Pharisees. Have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest they're in the temple. They break the Sabbath. And they're innocent. They're innocent. But I say to you that something, Look, okay, I say to you, something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire compassion, the Kessid, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. I pray you hear this. You keep the law without being devoted by it, without being moved by it. You attempt of course without success to follow every jot and tittle but if you were loyal to the word, if you were devoted to the God of this law with your whole heart and with all your affections, you would not have crucified me. You would not have condemned the innocent. a son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You would not be a Sabbatarian, you would be a Christian. You condemned me, God, the Lord of the Sabbath. Everything the law was pointing you to, me who is greater than everything is right here in front of you, but you would rather sacrifice. You'd rather do burnt offerings than be devoted to me than to know me and love me, God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This was Israel. This was Israel at the time of Hosea. They're holding to a form of religion. Write this down. It's the most dangerous thing, one of the most dangerous things about religion. And they had it right here. And Jesus told them they had it, and Hosea is telling them they had it. You would rather do for God than to have a fellowship with God. That's the most dangerous thing of religion. You'd rather do for God than have fellowship with the Almighty. You'd rather have religion than a fellowship with God. You know what I'm saying? God command me what to do, and I'll do it. What do you want me to do, God? I'm all over. What you, you want me to over here? I'm over here. God, what do you want me over here? I'm over here. What do you want me to do? Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want. I just do, 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 do for you. But it's not because I'm not joyful about it. I work, work, work. Why? I'm trying to earn God's favor. You don't earn His favor. You have His favor. He bought you with His Son's blood. You're His already. Don't work your way to heaven. That's blasphemous. That invalidates the word of God. I don't think I answered, does God really care? Let's answer that. we got to really answer that. I want to be crystal clear. Does God really care? So let's go way back. We're in math. Let's go way back. You ever hear of Deuteronomy? Amen. Amen? Amen. Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Here I'm talking all that craziness and I can't find it. Deuteronomy 28, 47 through 48. It's up here too, I think. Deuteronomy 28, 47 through 48. Let's read this. God says, because. Because you didn't serve the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart. Let's plug into the kessid. This steadfast love, this devotion, this goodness, faith. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart for the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in the lack of all things. And He will put an iron yoke on your neck until He has destroyed you. Thus harsh. God promises hunger, thirst, nakedness, lack of things, yoke, and destruction. Why? Because they did not serve him with joy and a glad heart. Your loyalty is like a vanishing dew. but well, Oh man, your commitment is still there long after that feeling was gone. And God's saying, no thanks. Even destruction. I'm sure you have seen it in your own lives as I have seen it in my life. You know, troubles come. Struggles come. Hardships come. Pain and sorrow comes. And God, He delivers you up. Amen? God delivers you up out of the miry clay. He sets your feet on a rock to stay. Joy and a glad heart come. Loyalty to God. Praise to God. That comes. Deep hearted devotion to God comes and toward Him. You start to love Him. I'm going to spend time with Him. I'm going to have devotion every single morning at 7 o'clock. It's going to be me and the Lord. I'm going to be in prayer and meditation. I'm going to be so close to Him. And then when those things come back like the morning dew, passes away. Why? Why, God, why do my affections for you just vanish away? Why? There are many reasons for this. And here are but a few. i got six reasons. Let's go move through them quickly. One most dangerous reason that this goodness, this loyalty toward the Lord goes away. It could be that one does not have the living spirit dwelling inside of him. I'm not talking emotion, sweaty palms, armpits, sweating, wobbly knees. I'm not talking that emotion. I'm talking real joy, zeal, passion, affections for God. I'm talking real emotion here. If you don't have that, the dangers you may not have the living spirit dwelling inside you, you're like, what, Lord? What? Wait, Pastor Kevin, you saying if I don't have that emotion, I don't know Jesus? Hold on. Let's go back to passing the plate. Remember you just did it, rode it off, checked it off the box, you did it, you had no emotion in that? If you have zero emotion, the danger is you may not have the living spirit dwelling inside you. But if you have an ache, if you have a regret, God, I gave to you, but I didn't have any emotion. I felt nothing. You say you love a cheerful giver. I wasn't cheerful. I wasn't I was indifferent about it. Help me, God. Only you can change my heart, do something different so I find gladness of heart to worship you. That's worship. You have the spirit. You have a remnant of the spirit of God in you. That's Worship. It's worship is making the value and worth in something you are finding worth in giving to the Lord for an offering to worship Him. That's worship, even if deep down you do it out of obedience. And say, God, forgive me. I didn't have emotion. I wasn't happy about it. Forgive me. Make me happy. That's worship. That's worship. Can you say it with me? That's worship. One more time. Say it with me. That's worship. If you have no regret, no ache, for lack of devotion toward God, we need regeneration. Let's move. Second, this goodness toward the Lord could just be a forced matter. As we've seen with the Pharisees, they force these religious acts upon themselves, experience God's goodness, but when? But they do not have any real love toward the lord or delight in the here it is the beauty and holiness of god at all they do for god but have no heartfelt worship for him i mean think about it the old testament is always talking jesus is coming be ready he's coming he's going to come and he's going to live he's going to die he's going to raise from the grave he's going to be seated at the right hand of the throne of, of of god and david said it in the psalms my god my god right he's in heaven And it's like, the Pharisees knew this. They read it. They taught it. And there he is in the flesh. If they wanted to behold the beauty and glory, the the exact representation and the radiance of God the Father, they would have bowed down and worshipped him right there. Instead, they were devoted to the law. But not the God of the law. And they crucify him. So that's a first indicator. Check engine light comes on. I don't have emotion. Something's not firing. God help me with this. That's check engine light coming on. So just check it. Let's move. Third. There's no spirit. Here it is. The reason, a third reason, is there's no spirit for difficulties and disappointments. As long is everything, all the things are going good and going good. God is good like double dutch. You know, everything's good. We're happy. Yeah, everything's good. But when disappointments take heart and hand from them, God's no longer good, and therefore God doesn't receive loyalty. Devotion to Him stops. Loyalty to God stops. Affection stops. Listen to me. If you have dealt with your kid, then you know this. God does not take pleasure in your external obedience with your internal defiance. God does not take pleasure in your external obedience with your internal defiance. You know what I'm saying. You tell that kid, don't touch that wet paint. Yes, dad, I will never touch that wet paint because you love me and care for me and I want to serve you and I know that all the words that you speak to me are truth and are wise and I'm going to obey you because I'm devoted to you because I love you and you're everything to me. I'm not going to touch that wet paint. What kid says all that? We don't even say all that. Kids don't touch the paint because you're going to spank them. Am I right? I don't want to touch that wet paint because my dad's going to whoop me. Usually it's the mom. My mom is going to whoop me. She brought me into this world and she can take me out. That's usually what it is. You know, and God loves his children and he spanks those who are his. You know what I'm talking about. To produce that peaceful fruit of righteousness. You know God said, I'm going to beat you till I bring the peaceful fruit of righteousness right out of you. Right? <laughs> God is good. Fourth reason. Entertaining unmortified lusts which draw your loyalty away from God. This is having a divided heart. Just having a fragmented divided heart. Get off the fence. This fifth one goes with that fourth one. It says, because of profits and pleasures of the world, they charm away your loyalty from God. Here's the deal. The devil, he's not content with you just sinning. Oh, yay, I got him to commit idolatry. I got him to commit adultery. I got him to to sin and steal that toy. I got him to do that. Yeah, no, the devil's not content with that. He's not happy with that. What, What does the devil want? He wants your kessid. He wants your loyalty. He wants your steadfast love. He wants your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God says, no, that's mine. You will give it to the devil if you're not giving it to the Lord. Did I wake some of you up that, have been, that heard this last week? God says, that's mine. The devil... Listen to me, especially you kids. You know, because a lot of times we're taught that, that everything, you know, every perfect and good gift comes from God. And that's true. Amen. You've got to know something. The devil is crafty. He's tricky. He will pay you. He will reward you to get your loyalty to him. God tells us that our faith is only real when it's tested. And then it's real. So, you know, let us not be like that where we teach that God is a harsh taskmaster. Because if we do that, then the devil looks so good when he's paying for their devotion, when he's rewarding them for his devotion. And God says, I love you with an everlasting love. I would give you eternal life. I died for you and I would do it a hundred times again. I would bleed for you. But it only takes one time and your mind. I had more thoughts about you before the foundation of the world than there is sand on the sea. And every thought that I had toward you was pleasant. That's how God thinks of you. The devil wants to murder you, he hates you. Just remember that's off. I'm sorry, I'm going off on that. Fourth reason could be oh, I did that. Fifth, sixth, we're good. Six, our loyalty toward God can fade away because of uh, unwatchfulness over the heart and life, and not setting yourselves to hold it fast. Pride will keep us, as it did with Israel, from being watchful over our hearts in this matter. Oh, I'm an Israelite. Oh, I fill out a paper. I'm 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 chosen. I've I, election. I believe in an election. I. For the foundation of oh yeah, the devil believes in resurrection, the devil believes in predestination, but he's not saved. He's not saved. We must have a watchful heart, a humble, contrite, broken heart. Saying God, my heart is prone to wander. Take and seal it in the courts above. We must remain humble. And broken and helpless. Let, let me bottom line all of this for you. For us to keep our loyalty, our tested, loving-kindness, our steadfast love toward God, it, it's not just commitment. It's not. Don't, don't be just committed. It's not just committed. It cannot be out of duty for that would invalidate the word of God. But rather, we must yearn for Him. No amen? That's the title of the message. We must yearn for Him. I want to help you. See it clearly. Go to Matthew. Last time I did, I said, man, I wrote Matthew 15, 7 through 9 here. I don't know why, but let's go there. Go to Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Matthew 15. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. And I'm going to back up because this is this is harsh um but my brother roland the elder roland he says if if the word of god's got a sharp edge in it you got to keep it sharp i think i've kept it sharp enough right so let me back up a little bit here if we desire to serve god out of duty out of obedience out of commitment out of religion and not wanting a fellowship with him, Jesus says, You hypocrites. We would be hypocrites. Isaiah prophesies rightly about you. This people, they honor me with their lips, but their kesid, their steadfast love, their kindness, their heart is far away from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. We need to yearn for Him. To yearn means to have an intense feeling of longing for Jesus as if He were gone or separated. You know, when you sin, you feel that separation from God. You think you've got to do all this good stuff and get back to Him. You know what I'm talking about. People say, when you sin, it's a separation from God. There is that feeling. And I want you to have that. I want you to feel a disconnect when you're tempted to sin. Feel a disconnect that I'm moving toward sinning, which is separating me from you, God. And I'm going to yearn for Him. Right there, just yearn for Him. I want you, God. I want you. I want to love you. I want to be devoted to you. I mean, think about it. Think about when the disciples truly yearned for God. Remember when, the, when Jesus was walking on the earth and the disciples were with him? They talked and they had a good time. At, remember, Jesus washed their feet and Peter says, nay, not mine. And then Jesus says, hey, if you don't let me do that, you won't let me do anything for you. Oh, oh, both of them, please. <laughs> wash everything, wash me all, right? He's like, that's good. He's excited about it. Was he yearning for him? When did they yearn for him? Where did they burn for him? He was gone. He was crucified. Peter denied him three times. But Jesus prayed for him. His faith wouldn't fail and it didn't. But he wasn't yearning for Jesus. He would have never take, taken the bait of Satan. He was gone. Three days. Where is he? Where's Jesus? He said he was coming back. Where is he? Where's Jesus? They started to burn when he was gone, a yearning, an intense feeling. He's gone. Is he coming back? You remember when Jesus showed up on the Emmaus Road with the two men? They were talking about Jesus. They were just talking, matter of fact, yeah, we thought Jesus was the man. We thought he was going to rise up and reign. We thought he was going to be the king. We're ready. Let's take over. Remember, Jesus hit his eyes. You couldn't see that it was Jesus. And he's talking to him, opening up the scripture to him. And remember when they got back and told their friends, the disciples, what had happened? We were walking with Jesus. Did our hearts not burn? When he opened up the scriptures to us concerning himself, were we not on fire for him? Brothers and sisters, we're not to disconnect our head with our emotion. That's blasphemous. That's of the devil. He wants your Emotion. He wants your devotion. It's for God and God alone. We're to yearn for him, burn for him. We are to connect them. We are to connect our hearts and our heads. Does God care? Does God care? Amen. He cares. It's so obvious. He cares deeply and He cares eternally. It glorifies Him when we delight in Him. I'm going to show you one more text and then we'll move to closing up here in a little bit. Look how serious God is in Revelation 2.1. Go to Revelation 2. I want, I want you to see how serious God is about this kesed for Him rather than sacrifice, rather than burnt offerings. I don't want y'all coming to church out of rote and commitment, and leave your heart for God at home. Revelation 2, verse 1 through 5. Let's read it. I'll I'll read 1 and then 2. Skip right over to 2. Well, no, we ain't skipping nothing. (laughs) Revelation 2, 1 through 5. Let's read it. Uh, To the angel. This might be my last time to preach over here. Pastor Will might be like, okay, you're out of the rotation. (laughs) I pray not. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, Jesus says this. (laughs) Okay, skip that. I know your deeds and your toil. I know your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. I know that you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they're not, and you found them to be false. I know that you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent. Do the deeds which you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Oh, God, help the church of Ephesus. God, help the church of Emmanuel Bible Fellowship. They've endured. They've persevered, persevered in doing right in all the commandments from God. But God says their lampstand is going to be removed if they don't repent. Repent from what? Repent from what? They're good. It's a good church. Solid If they don't repent from losing their first love, if they don't repent from losing their steadfast love for God, their devotion, their kessid toward God, God will remove their lampstand. And to quote Pastor John MacArthur, just in case anyone wants to argue with me on that verse, you can argue with him. He argues with Larry Miller, I think. Larry King. He's the same name as me, I don't even know him. Larry King. Pastor John MacArthur, he says on this verse, to be a Christian is to love the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Ephesians' passion and fervor for Christ had become cold mechanical orthodoxy. Just religion. Just committed. Their doctrinal purity and their moral Purity, their undiminished zeal for the truth, their disciplined service were no substitute for the love of Christ that they had forsaken. Remember, when you yearn for Jesus and burn for Jesus with a passion for God, it comes from a humble and broken heart. Contrite heart that God and God will no way cast out. God will in no way despise. But rather, it's in this kind of heart that God delights in, that He takes pleasure in, and that, listen to this, that God dwells in. That goes all the way back to the first reason. We may not have the living Spirit of God in us if we don't have an ache and a regret, if we don't have emotion and devotion toward God. Here it is. Look at Micah. Micah 6, verse 6 through 8. I'm moving quickly now. I This paper fell because the nice air is blowing on me. I like it. Micah 6, six races. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearly calves? Shall I bring sacrifices? Does the Lord delight in thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, for the fruit of of my body, for the sin of my soul? And God has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I won't touch the wet paint. No. The Lord says, This is what I require. You do justice, that you love Kesid, that you love loyalty, this kindness, and walk humbly with your Lord. That's what God delights in. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah is right before Jeremiah. Isaiah fifty-seven, fifteen. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. Listen, I want you to see where God dwells. Where He says He dwells in. I dwell in a high and holy place and I also dwell with the contrite and lowly of spirit. Can you say amen? So here it is. Please don't say, don't say this. Well, Pastor Kevin said, if I ain't feeling it, that I can just not do it. <laughs> Pastor Kevin said, I ain't feeling it. Singing, I ain't going to sing. If I ain't feeling it, giving, I sure ain't going to write no check. If, if I ain't feeling like forgiving somebody, I ain't going to forgive them. If I don't feel like it, if I don't have it, with, Pastor Kevin said, I don't have to do it. I don't have to sing. I don't have to forgive. I don't have to love. I don't have to worship. Because, listen, that's not at all what God is saying. That's not at all what God is saying. Rather, God is saying, don't stay there. Don't remain in that state. Repent. Confess and repent from not having affections in your acts of worship toward me. Repent. For I take pleasure in your delighting in me in all things and all God's people say. I'm, I'm gonna skip this page. God's not satisfied in our sacrifices. This is what he wants Doctrine and devotion. God says for us to worship Him in spirit, the inner man, and in truth. I pray this is the case here at Emmanuel Bible Fellowship. As the Scriptures are opened up to you concerning Christ Jesus, it causes you to burn for Him and to yearn for Him and to renew your loyalty to Him. And all our worship, In all our singing, our giving, our preaching, our forgiving, in all our mercies, let us be devoted and loyal in all our obedience of faith through the righteous one. Let it never, ever, ever be done just going through the motions But with the devotion to God, with the knowledge of God, that in whatsoever we do, whether in word or deed, we do all, help me out, all for the glory of God and for the joy set before us, knowing that we have been seated at the right hand in Christ Jesus, at the right hand of the throne of God the Father. Amen? So remember this message from Hosea, our prophet. This is God's message through Hosea, even our prophet, that God's love is a love that will not let you go. And it's not a love that you must earn. It's a love you have. His his love has been poured into your hearts. So for our God, this God, a God that there's none other like him, for this God, we don't have to earn his love. Let us yearn for him. Let's burn over him. Let's have a passion and a zeal for him and him alone. And anytime you feel or sense a disconnect or someone saying, you're just too emotional, give them the high sign. (laughs) If you feel that disconnect from your heart and your head of worship of Jesus Christ, I'm just going to say, yearn for him yearn for him I love you God bless you let's pray Father God in heaven we thank you for your word but thank you for your spirit living inside of us that opens up these truths to us that causes our hearts to to burn with passion we know God that this loyalty only comes from you by your grace and mercy we know it's a gift and part of the fruit of the spirit even Father God, we battle daily with this flesh. But if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not sin against you, God. So, Lord God, cause us to ache, cause us to burn for you, cause us to yearn for you. Oh, Lord, awaken in us a passion for your glory in our lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters and in the lives of Of our enemies. In Jesus name we pray. And all God's people say. Amen.